Well, if, um, if I haven't said it to you yet, Happy New Year. Talking of which, you must have noticed that at the end of a year, there are always lists or be it in the paper or on TV or on the radio of people who've died in the year just gone. Here are 10 famous people who died last year. Sidney Poitier, famous, famous actor. Meatloaf, anybody love his music? <laughs> anyway, Shane Warne, what do you mean who? Good, look it up later. Dame Deborah James, who had the podcast You, Me and the Big C. Dame Olivia Newton-John. Mikhail Gorbachev. Queen Elizabeth II, of course. Still good feelings towards her in the room. Absolutely right. Robbie Coltrane. Oh, less. Former, former Pope Benedict XVI. And Pele, widely known as the king of football. There was a banner outside the hospital where he was suffering and ended up dying that read this, Eternal King Pele. And Ozzy Ardiles, who was a Spurs footballer from my younger days, Argentinian, but played with Pele and knew him pretty well, wrote this. Lots of famous people wrote tributes to Pelé. Ozzy Ardiles wrote this, the king of kings has died. <laughs> Extraordinary player, unique, three times World Cup winner, more than a thousand goals, my idol when young. He made football the beautiful game, R.I.P. Pelé. It's an interesting phrase that he began with, the king of kings has died. Well, like every other king, Pele came, Pele rose, Pele declined, and Pele is gone. Think of Queen Elizabeth, think of King Charles III, now on the throne of sorts. Came, he's risen, he'll decline, and he'll be gone. Only one king is truly eternal. Only one king is really the king of all kings, God himself. He shines not just for a while, but forever. He reigns supreme forever as creator and sustainer and judge. And just like the, there is no king like him, there is no kingdom like his. So throughout this year, 2023, our Sunday morning teaching is going to be working at the kingdom of God. We're going to do that in three phases. This term, we're going to work through the Bible. How does the Bible look at the kingdom of God? Then term two, we're going to look at some priorities of the kingdom. What does it mean to be the people of the kingdom? And third term, we're going to look at the power of the kingdom. It's going to be great. Hope you're looking forward to it already. It's going to be a very exciting series through this year. This king is good and true and just. This king is loving and gracious and merciful. 
This king is holy, almighty, eternal, always existing in the completeness of his perfections. He has never been worse and he could never be better. You've been worse, I'm sure. I've been worse. I have the potential to be better. You have the potential to be better. God can be neither. He's never been less or worse than he is. He could never be more or better than he is because he exists in the completeness of his perfections. You cannot find a flaw in God. And when you think you have, all you've done is find a flaw in your understanding because we are limited. And the Bible speaks consistently about the kingdom of this king. Now, kingdom is an English word translated from a Hebrew word in the Old Testament and a Greek word in the New Testament that John Piper says means this. The basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is God's reign. Get that, his reign. Not realm or people. The kingdom creates a realm, the kingdom creates a people, but the kingdom of God is not synonymous with the realm or its people. Essentially, we're thinking about, when we're thinking of the kingdom of God, we're thinking of his reign. One way to understand that is to think about the word kingship or these phrases. The kingdom of God means the kingdominion of God, that he's reigning, he's dominant, he is the king, or the kingly reign of God. The kingdom of God means the kingly reign of God. First and foremost, the kingdom of God is the reign of God, which creates a people and a realm. Now, the kingdom of God or the kingly reign of God is a theme running through the Old Testament. You will hopefully know that you can trace a whole load of threads right from the beginning of the Bible through, weaving through to the end. One of those is the kingdom of God, though The precise term, kingdom of God, is not actually used in the Old Testament. Now you have the kingdom of God in specific statements. The fact that he is king, his reign as king. So for example, these ones in the Psalms. The Lord is king forever and ever. Also in the Psalms, the Lord most high is awesome the great king over all the earth. Your kingdom, another one, is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion, your kingdom, endures through all generations. Explicit statements. There's one real king, it's God. But it's also a theme that runs through, as I said, through the storyline of the Old Testament as God relates with his world and his people. So for example, God exists in the beginning, he clearly is the king, he's the beginning of everything, and he creates Adam and Eve. But he's not just randomly thinking, what shall I do today? Oh, I'll tell you what, a couple of people would be interesting. No, he's creating so that his rule gets extended through people. They are clearly to reign and rule on his behalf. Then he calls Abraham, And he calls Abraham to be a blessing to all the nations. What does that mean? Well, it means that the kingly rule of God is going to come through Abraham because the kingly rule of God is a blessing to all the nations. That's what's going on there. Then you've got the judges and the kings who, let's be honest, sadly mess it up more than they get it right. But the intention, God's intention was that through them, his 
kingly rule, his kingdom would be expressed and extended. Then you have the message of the prophets who are constantly calling the people of God back to this. God is king. Live like it. Recognize it. But they also have a message of hope for all the condemnation they heap on the people. The prophets have a message of hope. And the message of hope is this. The kingdom of God is yet to come. Much as it has come, it is yet to come. And there is a Messiah coming through whom it will be delivered. Jump forward to the New Testament. And that hope and that promise comes into realisation as Jesus has arrived and the kingdom of God has arrived in the coming of Jesus. God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit has always reigned. But there's a unique and decisive coming of the kingly reign of God in and through the person of Jesus Christ. And so interestingly, John the Baptist, who was going around preaching and saying, get ready, because this king is coming, the one you've had promised to you. And he says this, Matthew chapter three. Well, Matthew writes this, in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent. Why? Well, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That's the message. What he means is the kingdom of God has come near because Jesus is about to land on the scene. And then when Jesus does land on the scene very, very soon afterwards, he says this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. From that time on, Matthew records, Jesus began to preach, repent, same thing, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jump on a few verses to verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, the 10 cities in the area, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. We'll get back to that passage a little bit later. The kingdom has decisively, uniquely come in and through the person of Jesus. Now, it's been argued that the kingdom of God is the central theme of the whole Bible's message. And I think you can make a pretty good case for that. People wonder, is there a central theme to the Bible? I think you could argue, as good as any, that the kingdom of God is such a theme. Graham Goldsworthy writes this, the Bible speaks of the kingdom as its central issue. Other perspectives are simply that. Other perspectives on the kingdom of God. So for example, let me give you a couple of examples. The Bible doesn't have a list of do's and don'ts for us, but it has biblical ethics, how we should live. But you've got to ask, why does it give us those? Is it just so that the world is nicer and we're moral people? Absolutely not. Biblical ethics are there because this is how you live when God is king. Given that the king reigns, this is how we should live. Another one, church life. There are a whole load of instructions on how church should be, how the church life should be conducted. Again, are they just so that we get on well and it all goes sweetly and lightly? No, not at all. 
It's because when God is king, this is how we live with one another under his reign. And the entire gospel, the Bible's message of what God has done for us to save us in Jesus Christ should also be seen from a kingdom of God perspective. Let me tell you how we usually see it and how gospel presentations are usually made. Something like this, to simplify it. On this side is you. And you're stuck on your own. And you're full of sin. And there's a huge chasm here. And on the other side is God. He's holy, you're not. There's an immense chasm. You'll never be able to cross it. And Jesus Christ, with his crucifixion and resurrection, becomes the bridge. And there's a lot to be said for that. But let me tell you this, it's very limited. It's very limited because of this. The kingdom of God, the kingly reign of God, is much more than intended to simply solve a personal sin problem. Now it does do that. <laughs> it does do that. Clearly, I mean, there's something in this this illustration of the, the bridge. But it's much more than that. The gospel of the kingdom which Jesus came to announce is this. Yes, you are far from God and he wants to save you and forgive your sins and find you eternally to be with him. But it's more than that because in the backdrop is there's a king who has a kingdom and he wants to bring you into his kingdom such that his rule is enjoyed and his rule is expressed through you and he's bringing you into a kingdom and the kingdom encompasses all of his reign and everyone who recognises his reign. And that's a slightly bigger message than my little sin problem gets solved. Understand? So consider this verse. Towards the end of Matthew's gospel, as he's looking towards the end, and the disciples are saying, well, what are we going to see before you return? Jesus says this gospel, this good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So when we're thinking about being on a mission, it's not just, well, you need your sin problem solving, though yes, of course, that is a huge part of it, but it's this as well. World, there is a king and he reigns and he always has. And he's sustaining everything. And his rule is amazing. His rule is wonderful because he's holy and just and good and gracious and never makes a mistake. Listen, you're separated because of your sin. Come into his reign. Isn't that what we were talking about, singing about, praying about earlier? In his kingdom, healing comes. In his kingdom, Minds are made well. In his kingdom, relationships are put right when we submit to and live under his reign. So salvation is not only about God rescuing you or me. Not only, yes it is, but not only, but about God establishing his kingdom, his reign over rescued people, over a new world where he's obeyed and enjoyed as king over a world where his enemies are being defeated. That is a kingdom I want to be in. 
Let me give you five quick clarifying comments at the start of this year's teaching series. Five both-and statements. Number one, the kingdom of God is both universal and personal. God reigns over everything. His reign is, us- is, u- his reign is universal. But his reign is also personal, where it's recognised in individual hearts and minds. His reign is universal and it's personal. His reign, secondly, is both internal and external, therefore. Where's the, where's the kingdom of God? Well, where is it? In st- I can't quite see it. You know, it's internal. It's a spiritual matter. Internal. It's hidden. It's invisible. But... It's external in the sense that the reign of God expressed in this life is lived out in families, in churches, in communities, in workplaces. It's hidden, but I can see it, its effect. Thirdly, the kingdom of God is both for God's glory and for people's good. How can the kingdom of God, how can his reign be for his glory? Well, simply this, everything is for God's glory. (laughs) everything is for his glory even his reign is for his glory and for people's good and in fact people's good is found in his glory fourthly the kingdom of God advances by God's action and our action that extraordinary partnership that we see so often for example Jesus said by God's action, Jesus said, if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus' actions, God's actions, are bringing about his kingly reign in people's lives. But also, it is people's choice to enter into his kingdom. So for example, Jesus said this, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. It's not just that we sit back and say, well, God reigns. Let's see what he does. He is supremely the king, and he is advancing and extending his kingdom, but we also are partnering in that to enter into his kingdom and to bring about an expression of his rule where we go. But finally, the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. If you've been around any time, you may have heard that phrase before. God has always reigned. And his kingdom is now. It's being expressed now. He's reigning. He's ruling through his people and in the world. And yet, crucially, the consistent message of the Bible is always that the kingdom of God is, though it's now, is not fully yet. And there's a day to come when Jesus returns defeats all his enemies finally and fully and finally and decisively establishes his kingdom where we reign in the new heaven on the new earth in resurrection bodies. I went to see a family this week. An old chap from our Southbourne site died last Saturday. I went to see his family on Monday and she was just checking with me because we're fairly new to each other, just checking with me. That is what we believe, isn't it? Well, she was, she was checking, that's what you believe, isn't it? I said, absolutely, we believe that Jesus returns and that we don't spend the rest of eternity floating around with harps and wings on clouds, which doesn't even happen anytime anyway. But, but 
But, you know, those pictures from art, Christian art that you've got, please don't pay too much attention to them. Jesus returns and he set up his kingdom fully and finally and you get a resurrected body that will never be sick anymore and never suffer where there's no more death or crying or pain and we live for him forever in his kingdom. So in summary to this point, God is king. He is actively reigning, defeating his enemies and redeeming a people from all nations who recognise his kingship in preparation for the day when everything will be perfectly submitted to him forever. That is good news. And it's that good news that Jesus is announcing in Matthew's summary statement that we read in chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. Fast forward five chapters and Matthew gives another summary statement. That Matthew chapter 4 was a summary statement. Matthew chapter 9, another summary statement. And this uh, where he says, where Matthew records this, Jesus went through all the towns, it's exactly the same thing, through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming, anybody guess, the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Those two summary statements, Matthew's trying to say this, this is what Jesus went around doing. He went around teaching and saying, the good news of the kingdom is here. Repent, believe it, get into God's kingdom, get right with God now and to enjoy him forever. And as he did so, he went around demonstrating physically in healing and all sorts of ways that this kingdom is here and now. That word good news, <clears throat> often translated gospel, is an English translation from the Greek word euangelion. And euangelion is this. A euangelion was an announcement of great joy. Let's say you're in the ancient world and here are our warriors. Sorry, you just got to become the soldiers who fight and live and die. Our warriors have gone away to fight battle because there's an enemy. <clears throat> They're coming against us or threatening to do so. And these guys have gone away to a distant land. We don't know what's going on because there's no internet, no phones. We're waiting for word. What's happened to them? Are they going to win for us or are we all going to get slaughtered? And later on, word comes, a runner comes, and word comes with euangelion. They won, and we're safe. Euangelion, news that causes great joy. Or, for example, in the kingdom, an emperor is born. And word goes through the empire saying, euangelion, good news of great joy. A saviour, as they thought they were. An emperor has been born or even a new emperor is on the throne and word goes out and around, euangelion. It's an announcement that causes great joy, which is why that word is used for Jesus' announcement. Jesus' announcement is a cause of great joy because he affirms that God is king. And let's say in first century Palestine to the Jews, it looked like God may not be king anymore. 
Have you ever wondered that? Maybe this week you've won. I'm not really sure God is king. Jesus wants to assure us with an announcement again this morning of good news. Yes, God is king. And therefore, it's good to be in his kingdom. It's good news for your present. And it's good news for your future. It's good news for your well-being. It's good news for your relationships. It's good news for your family. It's good news for your workplace that there is a king and you're in his kingdom. It's good news forever because he's coming back to finally establish his kingdom. If there's anybody here today who has not yet said yes to Jesus, let me tell you, you do have a sin problem. That might sound really offensive, but I'd rather say it as it is. And there is a solution to your sin problem. But as a bigger narrative to that, there's a king who deserves your allegiance and in whose reign you will find joy and peace mixed with lots of difficulties and you will be safe with him forever. Today might be your day to say yes to Jesus as king. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. It is the best news. Paul writes to Timothy and says this, with which I'll finish. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. No wonder Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Here's how I'd like to finish. I'd like to encourage you to think of one area of life, one aspect of your life or around your life where you would want to pray, God, your kingdom come. God, may your kingly rule be expressed and extended here. You might say, my life has got this going on. I need the king's rule there. You might say, my family is a mess. You might say, my workplace is all over the place. You might say, my neighborhood, whatever it happens to be, where would you most love to pray this year that the kingdom of God comes? Have a think. In a minute, I'm gonna give us all an opportunity to pray. But I'd also like this. I'd like 12 volunteers, and I'll only take the first 12. Don't rush and trip yourselves up. Who would like to come and stand here and on behalf of us pray, God, your kingdom come here. In my family, God, may your kingdom come. Amen. God, in my workplace, may your kingdom come. Amen. You are not allowed to pray for more than one short sentence. Otherwise, I will give the mic to the next person. <laughs> Nicely. But first, maybe we should just close our eyes just because it helps us concentrate. The first 12, get yourselves ready. What are you praying this year? May your kingdom come here.
Where's your here? Come on, we have the ear of the king. Ask him. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be honest with him. He knows you anyway. Right, I want 12 volunteers. Quick, come up. If it gets to 12, the rest are going to have to turn back. Quick, come up here. Form a queue this side. I'm quite serious. You have one sentence. That's one, two, three, seven, five more, eight, four more. Come on. One more. That's it. Done. No, Caroline, you can come up. Is that 12? Someone count for me. There's one more coming. Someone counting for me? I have got 12. Thank you very much. All we've got to do is say amen. Now, at the end, we're going to stand and pray. One sentence, quick one. Father, yeah, just pray. Don't say thank you. Just pray. One quick prayer. Father, we want to commit this year and declare that you're Lord and King in us, in our families, yeah. and let your perfect will be done in our lives and in our challenges that we face, Lord, in the mighty name yes. of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, I just pray for your kingdom to come in our neighborhood in Poole, especially yes. this year. Amen. Lord, I pray that your kingdom would come in our children's relationships with you. Mm. In Jesus' name. I agree. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray your kingdom would come to those who are really struggling to find any hope within their circumstance. Praise Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray your kingdom come to end human trafficking, exploitation yes. of our youth in Bournemouth and across England, UK, and the whole world. Amen. Amen. God, I want people, I want to help people find you. Please, please guide me as I share with you, um, with your love, with those around me. Help me to become a good representative of you. Yes. Put me in a situation where I can share your good news with others. I'm here to serve you, Lord. Send me where you want me to go. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Dear Lord, I pray your kingdom will come and mend relationships with my family and just bring peace and unity. Amen. Lord, we pray that your kingdom might come for those who don't yet know you. Amen. Amen. Our Father, I pray that your kingdom will come and show you the love, your reckless love, <laughs> that you may leave the 99 for the one that seeks you, is looking for you in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, and in our nation. And yeah. Father, I pray this in your name, Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. Good. Amen. Father, I just pray that uh, your kingdom would come in the area of sickness, in our friends, in our families, members of this church. Yes. There is no place for sickness. And yes. I just pray your kingdom would come, Lord. Yes, amen. Um, Lord, I pray your kingdom would come this year in our government and mm. in our MPs Please, and Lord. local governments. Yes. Lord, that they would see your kingdom and mm. try and bring it about. Yes. Amen. Amen. Uh, Lord, I pray that your kingdom comes in schools and our relationships with our friends, yes. Lord. Yeah, thanks, yes. amen. Amen, amen.
Right, perhaps you could just stand with me to close if you're able to. I'm going to read this amazing statement of Paul again. Perhaps you can say amen or clap or whatever. You don't have to, but just whatever you think, yes, because this is the best news. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.